Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 155. It's November 22nd, 2015. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, I'm continuing my uh, series here where I get caught up on listener questions. Another one that I've had lingering out there for quite a while is the question uh, about should you buy a franchise? Is a franchise right for you? I'm going to dedicate this episode to giving you my thoughts on that. So let's just kick it right off. Now, to answer this question, I'm going to talk about the couple things that I think really relate to a franchise and in particular are from my experience of people that I've known that have successfully and also unsuccessfully have owned franchises. So I'm not going to address the broader aspect of should you go into business at all to begin with. I'm assuming that you've already made that decision and that you're specifically deciding should it be a franchise or should you try and start something up on your own. Well, I think the key question to ask is, does this franchise have a good business model? And specifically, is it a good franchise business model? A franchise is something that should be very much replicatable. It's like a cookie cutter. You just stamp it out and you get the exact same results time after time and location after location. The franchise should have a business model that has a very much workable standard operating procedure. And although it's something that would be tweaked a little bit from demographic to demographic or things that would need to be updated over time, in general, they should be able to present to you a very well-written and a very solid business plan or a business model that's written in an operating form where if you just carry out those tasks, you know, they tell you these are the 15 things you need to do every day to be successful. And if you do those 15 things and you do them exactly the way they tell you, then that business should be successful in Minneapolis or in Harrisburg or in Miami. So when I talk about a franchise that has a good business model, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So as you're looking at possible franchises, look at those that have worked out over time. I mean, look at McDonald's. It's been in business since I believe the early 1950s. Now, does McDonald's make the best hamburgers in the world? No, they don't, not even close. But they're an extremely successful franchise. They've stood the test of time. And even in recent times when they've had a little bit of trouble, it's still a very profitable and successful franchise operation. And the way that you would run a successful McDonald's franchise in Tokyo is not a whole lot different than the way you'd run a successful McDonald's franchise in Wichita. Of course, they have certain peculiarities and different things that they would do uh, to satisfy their local market. But in general, from a 30,000 foot level, it's a cookie cutter operation and the French fries or the Big Mac or the milkshake are designed to be the same no matter where you purchase them. I'm speaking broadly here, and I don't think that many of you that are listening to me are planning on opening up a McDonald's in Taipei anyways. So, you know, we are going to be a little bit U.S. centric or at least North American centric here. But in general, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that cookie cutter business model that can be done time and time again and be successful. That's what you're paying for. That's what you're buying into when you purchase a franchise. And it doesn't matter whether it's hamburgers or whether it's pizza, you know, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, Domino's. They all have a unique niche that they support and they have loyal customers that continue to go back to those businesses time and time again. 
That's why they're successful. Certain people like Pizza Hut. Certain people like Domino's. If you're buying into that franchise, you want to follow that business model exactly so that the customer base that has been built up over years will have a positive experience when they come into your store or into your business that's representing that franchise. You want to give them a seamless presentation of whatever the product or service is that they've come to know by that franchise brand. That consistency, that customer loyalty, that's what you're purchasing with the franchise. Now, I've been speaking of restaurants here, but there's all types of franchises. There's H&R Block Tax Service. There's carpet cleaning services. You may not think about it, but when you go and purchase a car, well, in reality, those car dealerships are pretty much franchise operations. So whether you want to deliver a product or a service, something that's needed in the community that you want to open up your business in, ask yourself, is that franchise that you're looking at or the franchise that's being pitched to you by a salesman, does it have a good business model? Is it a cookie cutter where you can go and be trained and in a couple weeks or a couple months time know everything that you need to know about running that business from A to Z and you're given that standard operating procedure? Can that and will that make sense in the community that you want to open up your business? Identifying that good franchise business model isn't really as difficult as it may sound when you look at it in terms, uh, you know, just break it down in very simple terms. Look at it as that cookie cutter replicatable business. Have they been in business for a number of years or maybe even a number of decades? Have they been successful in various types of communities and cities and socioeconomic uh, communities throughout the United States? You know, specifically, does it match where you're planning on opening it? But in general, do they have multiple locations across the country? Go and visit local franchises and interview the owner and talk to the employees, and you'll be able to get a good grasp for this. You're looking for a simple plan of operation. If you follow steps A, B, and C, what type of results does that franchise get? This may sound like an oversimplification, but I'm telling you from experience, the people that I know that own successful franchises, those are the types of businesses they bought into. And whether it was a service or whether it was offering a product, that was less important than the fact that it was a replicatable business model. So you want to verify that. Obviously, this isn't a problem with the big names and big branded franchises that have been in business for decades. You know that Burger King has a model. You know that a Holiday Inn hotel uh, chain or franchise has a successful model. You know that Dunkin' Donuts or Enterprise Rent-A-Car, all of these type of brands that have been around for decades, you understand that they obviously have good franchise business models or they wouldn't have hundreds or thousands of locations and have been in business for decades. The problem you're going to encounter is that many of you are not going to have the capital reserves to go in and purchase a franchise of, you know, a Holiday Inn Hotel or of a Burger King or a McDonald's operation. When you start seeing how those are offered and the limited opportunities and the cost of them, you'll find out that in general, you know, you're talking about million plus dollar um, investment opportunities to get into those. So more than likely, you're going to be in the price range of something like a Subway restaurant or some type of a, uh, you know, tune and lube or an oil changing type franchise or an embroider me maybe a carpet cleaning franchise, things that are going to cost less than $200,000.
And the risk there is that because the barrier to entry is smaller, you have to be sure that you're dealing with a very reputable company and a company that has that solid franchisable business model as you would expect from, you know, again, a brand name like a Subway that's been around for a number of years. Yes, they do obviously have a viable franchise model, but because you're getting in at that lower price range, it costs a whole lot less to open up a Subway restaurant than a McDonald's or a Burger King. But because the barrier to entry to get into a Subway is so small or so easy, a Subway restaurant has something like over 30,000 restaurants throughout the world. And I don't know how many of those in the U.S. I suspect the majority of them are. But think about it. A McDonald's has maybe a thousand locations and Subway has like 30,000. So yes, although the business model may be viable, is that particular franchise oversaturated and specifically is it oversaturated in the area where you want to open it up? Now, I'm not saying that Subway is oversaturated. I have no idea. I'm just using that as an example. And that would certainly be something that I would take into consideration with any franchise I purchased. And when you look at that saturation level, you not only want to look at the specific brand name franchise, for example, in the restaurant category specifically of Subway, you'd not only want to look at how many Subway restaurants are in your immediate area, but you'd also want to look at how many other fast food type restaurants, how many sandwich type restaurants, how many cold cut non hamburger type restaurants are in your area. That degree of saturation is extremely and incredibly important. And it's a complicated thing to consider, something much more so than I can go into in this podcast, because obviously you have seen a McDonald's, a Wendy's, and a Burger King, you know, all across the street from each other on the same corner. That doesn't mean that that corner is saturated. That means that that corner of town is the perfect place to have your restaurant. You know, oftentimes you'll see a Home Depot across the street from Lowe's. Again, that area isn't necessarily saturated with home improvement stores. That happens to be the best demographic spot and it is able to support two stores. You know, the question would be, if you were moving in there, could it support three? I don't have time to go into the rationale for that, but definitely something you want to consider along with not only is that a viable business model, but how saturated or how likely is that business model to succeed in the area where you want to open your franchise. Now, up to this point, I've been considering the fact that it has a successful franchising business model. There are a lot that don't. I'm not going to go into detail and specifically call out franchises that I don't think have a good business model. You're going to have to think through that one on your own. But some of the key things that you're going to look for, like we talked about, would be, you know, longevity and historical performance. A lot of these franchises that are going to be in the average listener's price range to purchase, these are going to be unproven concepts. Or I should say, in some cases, not only unproven concepts, but actually proven concepts that have failed. They've failed. They've been proven to not work. But because there are charlatans and fly-by-night people and unethical people that spend all of their waking hours thinking about how to take money out of your pocket and put it into your into theirs, they don't care about ethics and they're more than happy to sell you a franchise that won't be successful because they're making their money on the front end of it. So you as a small individual investor that's looking to buy into a franchise that's going to cost, you know, somewhere under $500,000, most likely in that fifty dollars to $250,000, 
is what I would assume many of you in the audience would be looking for. Well, that's exactly the sweet spot where the scamsters go after you and people trying to rip you off. And the problem with it is, is that it isn't just the fly-by-night people. So without pointing fingers at any particular franchises, I just want to advise you to move forward with caution. If you're thinking about buying a franchise, and even if the franchise has been in business for a number of decades, some of these companies are experts at selling franchises, but not necessarily at having their franchisees operate profitable franchises. So they constantly stay in business because they're always selling new franchises. And that's why these businesses have been able to survive for so long. They survive at the corporate level, but at the level where you buy in as a franchisee, not so much. I'll get to how I think you can overcome that in a minute here, but let me, while we're still on this business model side of things, let me finish up that point. I think the question that you want to ask yourself in terms of that replicatable business model, the big question that you want to ask yourself is, is, is this something that you can duplicate yourself? Because if it is, you're better off duplicating it yourself and starting out your own private entrepreneurial business as opposed to moving into a franchise because that franchise is going to be costing you at least 5% or more of your top line revenue each and every year. So you want to make sure that you're getting the value out of what you're paying for your franchise. Now, you may be saying, well, hey, you know, look at McDonald's. Why buy an old McDonald's franchise? I can easily make my own hamburgers. Yes, you can make your own hamburgers, but you can't make a Big Mac consistently taste like a Big Mac day in and day out and serve millions of customers doing it. Because McDonald's secret isn't about just how you cook a hamburger. It's the whole supply system. McDonald's has created a distribution system, a supply chain with all the exact ingredients and then has a standard operating procedure that's employed at each restaurant so that when the customer gets that happy meal or gets whatever kind of item they're purchasing because of the strict standards and strict quality control, the customer experience is almost always the same. Now, as I said before, it isn't that McDonald's makes the best hamburgers. So you're not going there because you've never had a hamburger that tastes better outside of McDonald's. But the reason you go to McDonald's is that you know that that Big Mac or that cheeseburger or those French fries that you get are going to be exactly the same as the last time you were there, even though it was in a different city or a different country. So the advantage to buying into a big restaurant chain or something along those lines, a big hotel chain like a Holiday Inn, they're providing you with not only the operating procedures, but also all those materials and ingredients that you need to put them together so that the sheets and the pillows and the carpeting and the decorations in every holiday and hotel room, whether it's a company-owned property or a franchise property, the experience is the same and seamless to the customer. I'll give you an example of a service that I've used that I don't ever remember seeing uh, offered in a franchise model. And I know personally I've never been, if there are any, I know that personally I've never been to one. I've always been to get this type of service by an individual entrepreneur and owner operator that runs their own business. And the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is if I need alterations in my clothes. Let's say I have a pair of pants and I need them hemmed. Well, I don't go to a franchise for that. I just go down to the shop down the street. It's owned by an individual man or a woman that lives in the community. It's just their own business. 
I know they do a good job either because I've been there before, because I've asked my neighbors and they've referred me to that person. And then this person is just using standard tailoring skills to sew or hem my pants or take in my, my uh, waist of my pants or lengthen the sleeve in my suit jacket or, or whatever it is I need. That is such a standardized process that I don't have to go to a specific franchise to make it happen. It doesn't matter what type of sewing machine they used. It doesn't matter what type of thread they used. None of that branding or none of that quality control that could be offered by a franchise business model really matters when you're talking about tailoring clothes. It's all about the skill of the individual that's doing the sewing and the, you know, the quality of the material. Obviously, if I have a gray suit, they're going to use gray thread, but it doesn't matter about the branding or the supply chain like it would be to make McDonald's french fries taste exactly the same in every location. So that's one example. That doesn't lend itself to franchising. That's something that you can duplicate yourself by learning how to sew and how to take in clothing and developing a skill at it. Now let's move on to the next question that I would ask myself if I was going to consider purchasing a franchise. And the question I would have would not be so much about the specific franchise, but it would be a generic question of, can I sustain myself long enough until this business is producing a livable income? Now, this is going to tie back to that previous question about the business model and where I talked about, is that business model really viable? I'm going to tie these two together here in a minute. But this question about income is very important because virtually all the people that I've met that have failed when they started a business, whether it was a franchise or a business they started themselves, was because they lacked sufficient capital. They didn't have enough reserves or enough savings to hold them and to, to sustain them until that business became not only profitable, but profitable enough to cover all their living expenses. So the people that I have seen that have purchased franchises and have done well, well, they've really kind of fit into th one of three categories. One, they had a very large capital reserve that they could draw on until that business got profitable. And in some cases, I've known franchise owners that have gone several years, three to four years in, in some cases, without being able to make a good, reliable income from that franchise. It may have turned profitable, but it wasn't anywhere near enough of an income to support the lifestyle of the owner. That's why you see so many businesses failing in their first five years because people go into these things undercapitalized, overly optimistic. They can survive six months, a year, maybe two years, but when that business is just still not creating enough of an income for them, they have to let it go. So those that have been successful go into it with a large capital reserve. The other group of people that I've seen do very well are those that have a spouse with an income as well as generally with medical benefits. So you buy the franchise, you go into it, it's not immediately profitable, but you're able to live off of that one paycheck from your spouse, and then your spouse also has medical benefits, so that if someone gets sick, it doesn't set you back and put you out of business. And then the third category is that I've seen many, many successful franchise owners when they've gone out and instead of buying a franchise directly from the offering company and starting a new venture, they go out and they buy an existing business. This is an existing franchise that's been in business for maybe 5 or 10 or 20 years. That, and I don't mean the franchise itself. I mean that particular location that you're purchasing. It's been in business. It's been in that same location for multiple years. It's producing a verifiable profit. You can look at the books. You can run the numbers. You know what you're getting into. 
all that is already in. It's beyond turnkey because not only is it up and running, it's less headaches to me. I can take it over from day one and I know it's turning a profit. By far, this is the category of people that I've met that have bought franchises that have done the best. They're buying that existing business and it's already profitable. Now, they will pay more for that business, but that's because they're mitigating risk. And it's been my experience that that extra premium that you're paying for that existing up and running profitable business, it's worth every penny you pay. As you go out and you're looking at franchises, look at the opportunities. Yes, you may be able to get into a new startup location for, say, fifty dollars or $100,000, $150,000. And then if you want to buy one that's already up and running, maybe it's going to cost you $300,000. But that operation that's costing you $300,000, it has $100,000 in verifiable income that it's spinning off every year. That money is going to be going into your pocket on day one when you close on that business. That's a huge advantage, and really, it's only about an 18-month payback to get to where you would have been if you made the investment to buy a brand new startup for $150,000, and you know it's going to take you well over 18 months on a brand new venture to get everything up and running, to get the leases in place, to attract the, the customers and the clientele, to get all the bugs worked out. I would bet that it's very rare that you can invest in a $150,000 franchise operation and, be, and within 18 months have it having it spin off $100,000 bottom line income. So for my money, I would almost always be purchasing that existing franchise location. And this is where it ties back into that question I asked at the beginning about is this a good business model? Is it going to work in your area? Is it worth paying that royalty fee for? You know, is it a viable business? Is this a reputable company? Well, I think the best way to verify all that is to not only go with the overall big corporate franchise that has a track record, but by buying the actual local venture that's spinning off that money. They're opening their books to you. You're going to do an audit. You're going to be able to understand what their growth rate is, what their expenses are, all about the overhead, what the utility costs are, the employee costs. All that is going to be in black and white right in front of you. There's no guessing game. So if you have to pay a premium for that of an additional $50,000, $100,000, $200,000, in my opinion, I think that's worth it. If you're going to buy a business like a franchise because you want something that's simple, you want something that's a cookie cutter model, you want something that if you just follow the directions you can be successful, then why not take that next step and buy the local location that's verifiably profitable? I have seen many people buy franchises and fail, but I can't remember someone that bought an existing property that was profitable and that the new owner took the time that before they purchased it to run the books through a good CPA, get it audited, make sure those profits were verifiable. I can't think of any of those operations that failed. Going into business is a risky venture. You can mitigate some of that risk by buying a franchise. You can mitigate even more of that risk by buying a franchise that's operational, it's up and running, and it's profitable. I don't think I can emphasize that enough. If I had to pick just one characteristic that was going to ensure your success, that would be the characteristic that I would pick. Buy a franchise that's up and running and has a verifiable profit and loss statement that you can audit. Now, the last point I want to make about buying a franchise and if it's right for you, well, I would ask yourself if buying a franchise fits your personality. 
All those advantages I talked about by owning a franchise, the, the risk that's taken out because you're buying a known business model, it's a cookie cutter operation. It's a business that comes with set and very much written and disciplined standard operating procedures and that if you follow those procedures, you'll most likely be successful. Well, you know what? That doesn't fit everybody's personality. Look around you. Look at the world around you. How many people do you see that like to obey the rules? Right? There are a lot of people that are they're very individualistic. They're very creative. They don't want to own a restaurant franchise like McDonald's where every single Big Mac tastes exactly the same way. Right? They want to be a culinarily creative. They want to be a chef. They want to express themselves. They want to have a changing menu. They want to be able to pick the colors out of for the uniforms for their employees and you know all these different things. Well, if you're that kind of person, if you're a really creative person, if you're someone that doesn't color in the lines very well, if you're someone that wants to take a lot of risk or be your own boss and really be able to have the authority to, to change things and make them the way you want them, well, then you know what? A franchise doesn't fit your personality. Look at uh, a business icon like Steve Jobs. Now, Jobs was extremely successful running Apple, even though, remember, he did get fired by his own company at one point and then they brought him back. But he wasn't the kind of guy that would fit into owning a Wendy's restaurant, right? He wasn't a franchisee. He was the kind of guy that wanted to do things his way. So if you're that guy or that gal, franchising probably isn't for you. The people that I have seen that do extremely well in buying a franchise are people that are disciplined and people like that like to follow the rules and go by the book. If you're that personality type, you probably know who you are, but you know, just for sake of example, this would be people that are like re retired military officers. This is uh, mid-level corporate executives that are, for one, one reason or another, leaving corporate America. Either they're retiring, they're retiring early. Maybe there was layoffs or downsizing in their company. They got paid a very nice severance package or got some type of early retirement. They're too young to go into full retirement, and so they leave corporate America. They have that big reserve of capital that I talked about. Maybe in many cases, their wife is still working. She has medical benefits with her job. They have that corporate mentality and the discipline that goes along with it. They do very well purchasing a franchise. And for similar reasons, so would retired military people and uh, retired military officers in particular, only because generally they come with a larger pension. And so they have more assets to deal with than, say, uh, potentially a retired enlisted man would. But those are the people, military and corporate executives, they do very well purchasing a franchise. So if you fit into those kind of categories, I think you're headed in the right direction. If you want to look at a franchise, remember my number one criterion coming out of this, though, is definitely look at existing businesses that are up and running. They're on the ground. That's what you're going to purchase. That's not always what the salesman is going to try and steer you towards. But in my experience, those are the ones that work out the best. And if I was putting my money on the line, that's most likely what I would be purchasing. Thanks to those of you that have asked me about purchasing a franchise. I'm sorry I didn't get around to this earlier, but there it is. That's my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. As always, I'm never offering specific recommendations or advice. I'm just providing you with my opinions and my insight. So until the next episode, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.